When uh, Pastor David was uh, uh, praying in the prayer room, we liked to get together and he was praying that if anybody felt a little nervous today coming, that the Lord would be with them. And I thought, well, I'm glad he covered that because I'm always nervous whenever I go to a new place. And uh, so today I'm going to be talking about cowards, clay pots and the power of God. It's absolutely awesome and my aim today, I would think I failed if I left today and you were left with the thought Daryl was a good speaker. That would, that's not what I'm about today. I want you today to be inspired and moved to love your family here, to love the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and to know that you're his body and to be inspired to move forward in your faith. My journey has been absolutely amazing and uh, it's not very long ago that I had a, uh, well, we had a number of dramatic conversions in, uh, would you believe, in the Uniting Church. So if you came into our Uniting Church, you would find it operates almost identically to this one. It's not the name above the door that people are interested in anymore. They're interested in meeting with the living Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit and knowing that treasure which still changed lives. Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever and he wants to use you. I thought uh, I would today invite my nephew Kingsley to come with us. It's only recently that I had a phone call on the phone and uh, Kingsley, if you could just come up here with me and you can take this uh, mic here. I always refer to my, sis <laughs> my sister's boy as young Kingsley because he's always been young Kingsley to me. He's 51 years old now, but he's still young Kingsley. And I had a, uh, a phone call from Kingsley saying, Uncle Darrell, I'm in trouble. Can you help me? Do you remember, Kingsley, what the first, one of the first things I said to you yes, was? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, he said, yes, I can, we, can, we can help you. Um, but he said, you know, it's going to be spiritual. <laughs> so I, in the past, I suppose, I'd kind of backed away from that a little bit. <laughs> this big, uh, backed I'm, away? That's running at 100 <laughs> miles an hour in the other direction. <laughs> yeah. And I well, said, Kingsley, can you get yourself down here, up to Macclesfield? This is, he lived at Narracourt, and, uh, and uh, I don't want to steal your thunder, Kingsley, but when you finally got there and stood at the door, I was a bit shocked because I saw what could have been a little 90-year-old man standing there, frail, and you wouldn't believe the change. But tell us a little bit about Kingsley, what happened from that moment. Okay, so... Um, basically in my life I've had some addictions and um, I've been able to overcome them, thankfully. And um, I was really in trouble, I was lost. I didn't know where I was going, I had no direction, anything like that at all. So um, upon arriving at Daryl and Anne's that very afternoon, um, we sat around the kitchen table and we prayed. And Daryl prayed for the Lord to save me. And he did that very afternoon to save me. My whole body was shaking uncontrollably 
and it did for at least five minutes and more, or more. And the sense of relief and just a feeling of belonging was just overwhelming to me. Mm. And since that day, I've just has been my life. It's just totally turned around, and I just pray. It's all. To, it praise God. Mm. I just can't put it any other way. Uh, Anne said uh, it's one of the most dramatic conversions she's seen because, and Kingsley said he was shaking a bit. Uh, he was shaking all right. His whole body was just rocking like you wouldn't believe. And he says, Uncle Darrell, what's happening to me? Is this God doing this? And I said, Kingsley, rivers of living water are flowing through you. Don't turn off the tap. And he said, I'm not planning to. <laughs> And the power of the Lord has taken Kingsley in quite a short time, delivered him from alcohol, nicotine, and probably other things he hasn't even talked to me about yet. But, <laughs> but uh, he's since been uh, baptised, filled with the Holy Spirit. He's now taking a, a real role in our church in just a short time. God can take a clay pot because there's a glory that he wants to put in there. And so I don't care what you really think of me today, as long as you realise I'm a clay pot, I don't even mind if you think I'm a crackpot. But <laughs> you might be thinking that. I hope Pastor Dave has warned you a little bit, but uh, I'm, I'm just uh, converted to Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'm just uh, so thank thrilled you, to have you, my nephew now serving the Lord with us. Kingsley's moved up and he's living in the flat alongside of us and he has Bible college every day, all day. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, right. mate. God bless you. I was saved in a church uh, down at... Uh, it was an outreach from Mount Gambia, CRC, out to Kingston where my sister was living that night... Uh, uh, a schoolboy called David McGregor was there and uh, sharing with me and I had a marvellous conversion to Jesus. And then I wanted to go to, to Bible college and I came down to Adelaide and uh, joined in with Pastor Barry Chance Church at Rosewater. In a fairly short time I was uh, appointed to lead the youth and then youth pastor and just things started. This was in 1970 that I was saved. But... Uh, my journey, I want to let you know that it's, it's the surpassing glory of God. That's a little bit churchy sounding, isn't it? But it's this wonderful power of the Lord Jesus Christ. My wife and I, just come here for a minute, dear. She always likes to hide. But my wonderful wife, we were married in 1974. We went honeymooning in a caravan which belonged to Jim and Lynette Winkle. And... <laughs> So where are you guys? They're up there somewhere, yeah. Thanks so much and uh, love you all and we've been in ministry together all that time. Uh, Anne had a dramatic conversion too. She was a real rebel but at four years old she bowed her knee to Jesus. <laughs> God was having to keep her on hold till I got myself sorted out or he sorted me out. But praise the Lord, wonderful things happened. We ended up when God spoke to us, dramatic conversion uh, to Christ and I offered our, our farm to serve the Lord and thought 
not so much of that. I remember laying face down in the dirt on the farm and saying, Lord, you can have me, you can have the farm, everything else. And, uh, and seven years later, he tapped me on the shoulder and said, I'll have the farm now. And I was already ministering in the CRC and I said, but I've forgotten all about that. And he said, I haven't. <laughs> and so Carabran New Life Centre was formed. Just saying that to give you a little bit of uh, background, things went really, really well and uh, I moved to, uh, we went to Kangaroo Island for a time on our long service leave and then got caught up in the church there and helping them out and then we went to uh, Wyala and different places and uh, I even ended up at Hallett Cove and bumped into a a couple called Dennis and June Sutton, and we ministered with them. And Tim and Carly even happened to... Is Tim here yet? Oh, I thought it was Dennis. <laughs> with glasses. <laughs> Tim and Carly, lovely to see you. So we've been around the place a little while. And you can probably imagine... See, Hallett Cove was, was fantastic, but I made a few mistakes there. Gee, that surprises you, doesn't it? <laughs> Your pastors never make mistakes. So I've always been impressed by Pastor David and Pastor David Bland and David Smythe and, and, and all the team here. But I was made a lot more mistakes than probably I should have. So I was feeling a little bit sorry for myself. We left Hallett Cove and uh, we ended up in Cambodia and ministering there. And then we started a ministry called Arms Around Australia, which went to the outback. It stood for Australian Regional Ministry Support. Our, our heart was for the bush and for the country. But I was feeling a bit hurt, feeling a bit discouraged, and uh, feeling a bit useless and feeling a bit broken. So Anne and I needed a place. We weren't ever deciding to retire from God, but we thought we'd like to retire from having the responsibilities of ministry. So we spent 12 months and found the safest place that we thought we could find where we could recover and recoup and, uh, and do some itinerant ministry. A place least likely to hurt us. So we chose Macclesfield in the Adelaide Hills. I want to start with a conclusion. It's not just the, the, the world's shortest sermon. I'd like you to know where we're going. I want to say to you today, go in the strength that you have. Go with what you've got. As too many of us, myself included, were sitting around saying, oh, well, yeah, I'm waiting for a green light. Well, I've sat at the traffic light sometimes when the light's gone green and somebody's been distracted and I feel like sticking mad out the window and say, it's not going to get any greener, you mug. Move it. <laughs> and we've been given a green light. What is it? Go into all the world. I now take the philosophy, if God doesn't say no, he wants you to do it. Because he said... I want to give you a bit of a story about a guy called Gideon. Gideon was broken, defeated, and he was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press 
that little hole down there to hide it so the enemy, the Midianites, wouldn't come and steal it. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Ebiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, and you notice this, we tend to make angels look like little girls with butterfly wings, you know, and, and, but he didn't recognise him as an angel, he just thought it was another man. God's angels are often mighty warriors. But the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Who's he talking to? Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles that our ancestors talked about? Didn't they say, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. And the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. Now, this man's definitely not mighty. He's not feeling mighty. He's feeling the least. He's there hiding away. Now, what had happened is for seven years, the Midianites had been raiding Israel because it was a consequence of Israel turning their backs on God, worshipping Baal and the Asherah. And they got, he got into a place, and the whole of Israel was in a place where God's blessing wasn't there. And usually, if I could identify with this, and I could say, well, it wasn't that God moved away from me, but I lost focus. And when I was at the end of my time at Hallett Cove, and I'd, I'd lost just that bit of confidence and sense, and I was saying the same sort of things. Where are the miracles today? The CRC was really on fire once. It was the leading church in the country. People were going out and just accepting. They weren't waiting till they got 50,000 degrees before they would even move. Jesus said, go into all the world, baptise them and teach them. And my own perspective is that we've spent, perhaps got that around the wrong way a little bit. We think we've got to be taught and get every bit of knowledge in the world before we can go out and baptise. He said, go and baptise, then teach them. Take the word of God. Go in the strength of God. Share what you have. Don't wait for green lights. This ordinary man, Gideon, the Lord says, you go in the strength of God because I'm going to be with you. Trying to bring home to him the fact that it's not the cracked pot, it's not the clay vessel it's the glory of the Lord that is within that counts. So the Lord said to him, well, first of all, you've got to go down and chop down the Asherah pole. And we don't know exactly what they were, but it was some sort of wooden pole, a fertility symbol of the, to the goddess Ashtart. But it was accepted in the, in the place. It was a little bit like, you know, saying, go cut that down. It's a bit like 
the Lord saying to Dennis Sutton, go and chop down the crow's flagpole, you know, you sort of a bit of a conflict there. How are the crows going at the moment, mate? Oh, 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 <laughs> As a Port Power supporter, I thought I'd just ask that question. <laughs> yeah, they're going great. <laughs> Very interesting, but you know what he did? The Lord said, angel said to him, go chop down the pole, use the firewood, sacrifice one of your father's oxen. So there's a whole lot of things going against him. So it's probably no wonder that he went and did that at night before the people just killed him. But he started. Next thing he had to do, as the Lord said, you're going to go and you're going to, like the Midianites, it says they were like, sand in the sea. There were so many of them. And so he said, how are we ever going to do that? And then he sent out the call and 32,000 men rallied. First little bit of hope in Gideon's heart that he had. Maybe we can do something after all. And God looks at him and says, nah, too many. You might think you did it. I want the glory to be seen clearly that this is God. So he said, go and reduce them down a bit. Go and say, anybody feeling a bit nervous, go home. So he reduced it down to 22,000. You can probably imagine how Gideon's feeling here. And God says, nah, still too many. Take them down to the brook, let them have a drink. The ones that bend right down and drink from the water... Send them home. The ones that are observing it up on their knee and scooping it up in their hand, keep them. Well, there was only 300 of them. And God said, now we're getting the right number. And so then the Lord equipped them. He divided the 300 into groups and gave each man just what you'd need to fight a battle a ram's horn trumpet and a clay jar with a torch in it. Okay, 300 of us going out to those umpty millions over there. And he said to them, keep your eyes on me, Gideon says. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too, all around the entire camp and shout, for the Lord and for Gideon. It was just after midnight, after changing the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly they blew the ram's horns and broke the clay jars, and all the three groups blew their horns together and broke the jars. Held the blazing torches in their right hands, they all shouted, A sword for the Lord and Gideon. Wow. Each man stood in his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. There's a scripture that I just want to refer to in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. It says, God's intent was that now, 
through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to who? Do you know? To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Sometimes we tend to forget that the real battle is going on all around in the invisible realm. I've had many people say to me, I don't put any trust in what I can't see. I don't know how many of you really looked underneath your chairs to make sure there wasn't a bomb placed under it or there wasn't spiders under there or whatever else, or you just came in and sat down, just accepting by faith certain things. Around this area and atmosphere, there's infrared waves, ultra waves, radio waves, TV waves. You know, you can get a transistor radio and we could tune into all sorts of different programs just from what's in the air. But suddenly, when it comes to the things of God, we can't believe in anything if, if we can't see it with our eyes. My dear friend uh, from across the road where we live at Macclesfield have struck up a real... He's a lovely guy, but he introduces himself as, to people as, I'm Daryl's friend, the atheist. And so he comes over, we have lots of good talks, and he really gets stuck into me sometimes saying, what sort of a fool are you putting your trust in something you can't see? And uh, by this time his coffee had gone a bit cold. I said, do you want to pop that in the microwave, Dave? Yeah, yeah, okay. Puts in, press the button, comes out nice and hot. I said, now, just before we go on, just explain to me how all that worked. He said, well, I don't know, I just put in, press the button. I said, well, what sort of a fool are you? We do so many things that we accept that we don't understand. God has given us weapons, but they are mighty weapons. Not ones that you'd sort of expect. 2 Corinthians 10.4, we used to sing a song about the weapon, of the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Who, who goes back and can remember that song? Yeah, a few of you. <laughs> but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. God uses different weapons often than what we would think of. Who would have thought about delivering Israel with a clay jar, a torch inside of it, and a ram's horn? So I was pretty much similar to Gideon, I think. I was at that place. We'd gone to Macclesfield. We'd had lots of wonderful things in the past that had happened. And I was in that place, why are things like this happening? Where are the miracles today? And so we'd been, we had been, uh, we built a house in Macclesfield. We thought that was a nice safe place. And uh, we weren't planning to leave God, but I really didn't want to have pastoral responsibilities. For those of you that think it's a real easy gig and you only work one day and seven, uh, have a go at it. 
<coughs> it's very hard work. But we were having a garage sale. By this time, because of financing our outback ministry, I was restoring houses and my, my <coughs> back had deteriorated very, very badly. At this point, I was uh, taking serious amounts of opiates for pain. I had two walking sticks staggering along on them. And we're having a garage sale and we're selling off all our building equipment and whatever else because there's no way I could use that anymore. And this couple came in and I said, is there something you're particularly looking for? And a guy called Wes said, no, don't even know what I'm doing here. We never go to garage sales. We just felt led to call in. <laughs> that sounds like the language of Zion to me. Church talk. So we got talking. He said, oh, our uniting church is, is uh, the parish is broken up and we've just got 12 people left and we've either got to close it or find a part-time minister. Would you be interested? And, you know, being the godly man that I am and the state that I was in, I said, not a snowflake's chance in hell. <laughs> it really wasn't. I said, anyway, I'd be way too Pentecostal and Holy Spirit for you. Oh, well, we were looking for somebody to lead us into Holy Spirit renewal. <laughs> oh, I don't like where this is going. <laughs> I thought we chose Macclesfield. <laughs> Who's come to the conclusion that you can see God's will more clearly in the revision mirror than you could through the front windscreen? I'm thinking, I thought we chose to come here. And suddenly all, I'm, I'm feeling set up. <laughs> As I said to one of my colleagues, Calvinistically squeezed. <laughs> so God's guided us here. And... Uh, Anyway, so I gave him uh, some material that I had and uh, he came back the next day and said, loved every bit of that. It was a DVD series called Firm in the Faith, which I've just given Pastor David a copy. And he said, loved all that. <laughs> At this time, and I'm sorry if this is sounding a little bit like about me, but I'm really sharing to say that God was in control all the time. We were, we were ministering occasionally, without having to pass the church, Pastor David Hall at LifePoint AOG down on uh, Marion Road, Miracle City down there. And we'd been asked to go and just help out there. So we'd go down, we'd sometimes preach. It was, it was Easter. And I preached on Good Friday and I said... And I don't really want to drive in there again uh, because we were just helping. And she said, why don't we go down to this little uniting church and just have a look? <laughs> I've been tricked before by the Holy Spirit speaking with a female voice. <laughs> and we just went for a look. <laughs> and... Uh, thought it was nice. They had, they had a huge crowd that day. I think it was about 25 there because it was Easter and everybody had come out and the, the sermon was about the chocolate Easter egg reminding us of the empty tomb of Jesus and some visiting reverend was teaching us and I'm thinking, oh Jesus, help them. 
So when we came away, Mrs. Pastor says, you know, there's something to be said for being in a little village like this, a little community. It'd be really lovely, wouldn't it, to be involved? Nothing. I'm really not liking where this is going. I'm really not liking where this is going. So I said, yes, they're all very nice people. So it was a couple of months later in June, the same thing happened again. She said, well, why don't we just go back there again? Went back again and one of the guys stood up and said, uh, well, as you may know, this is the last Sunday, last day for applications for a part-time pastor to come in. I said, oh, that's interesting. So I just said at the cup of tea time to Wes, this guy that had spoken to me originally, I said, oh, I didn't even know you were advertising. He said, wait right there, he said. Tears away and he comes back and he picks up this application form and just throws it, just pray about it. Oh, it's awful when people do things like that to you because <laughs> you have to. So I came home, threw it at the end of the table, came out the next morning and truly it was bleeping at me like this. And I said to her, what am I going to do with this? She said, well, darling, perhaps if you filled it out, it'll give you a little bit more space and time for the Holy Spirit to say what he wants. Hmm. <laughs> so we filled it out and put it in. And a week or two went by, never heard anything. I thought, oh, good so far. And uh, then I got a phone call. And the guy said, you wouldn't believe. He said, we have had 11 applications 11 expressions of interest and nine official applications. I said, you beauty, you can take mine off the top now, take mine off the list. He said, oh, well, that wasn't what I was ringing about. <laughs> he said, we've narrowed it down to two and we'd like you to have a, have a meeting with you as you're one of those two. I'm thinking, right, you wouldn't believe this, that... Ask Anne afterwards if I, she looks more trustworthy than me. We went to this meeting and I said, if you're looking for a nice, happy church, don't choose me. I cause trouble. I said, oh, what sort of trouble? And I said, just trouble. It just won't stay the same. Won't be happy families anymore. We'll, be, we'll have to get a new building and, oh, that'll be all right. So they said, well wasn't their term, but their words, but they basically said, why don't you have a preach-off? You know, they said, well, could you speak this week and see what the people think? And then the other guy speaks the next week. Oh, what am I going to talk about? What do you talk about in a uniting church? But would you believe that it was, the place was packed, 30 people there? And the Lord answered to me, well, you better be your true self because they'll soon find out so I thought, all right. So I started reading out from just a book. And as they waited on the Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit came down and people were slain in the spirit and demons were crying out. And everyone going. And I said, does anybody know who wrote this book? No. And I turned it over. It was from the Chronicles of John Wesley. The founder of your church. What the hell has happened here? Anyway, they all stood and dedicated their lives to God and the rest is history. 
I think it was, how many weeks was it before we had to move out of the building? Four months in total. So I'm saying that to say it's all about the glory of God. I've just been sharing basic CRC stuff that I was taught from Operation Outreach from the 5Ds from Leo Harris. But sometimes, even amongst us, we can hear good stuff for so long, it just becomes normal. And, and when we see people's lives changed, we see numerous people hearing this stuff, lives dynamically changed for Jesus Christ. And I'll never forget the wonderful transformation that's taken place in Kingsley's life. <clears throat> So I'm saying, remember, I've still got two walking sticks, still dosed up on opiates. Just what am I going to do about this? God awakened my faith. I stopped thinking about retiring and started thinking. He said, I'll take that word and I'll just put one little hook on the top of the T. Made it refiring. And he said, gave me a challenge in my heart. I want to leave it with you today. In our church, I don't want anybody to feel left out here, but I think for too long, sometimes the women in the church have been carrying things more than their share. We're not wanting women to stop doing anything but to keep going forward. But it's time. I challenge our guys. I say, stop hiding behind your wife's petticoat. It's time you took a challenge. You're a male by birth, but you're a man by choice. And you're a valiant man if you're prepared to bow your knee to Jesus and understand what you're put here for and to know that you're a mighty warrior and you're prepared to go in the strength. Of course you're nervous. Of course you're scared. Of course I'm scared. I'm scared every day. But it's exciting. It's wonderful. Gideon was beaten down by his circumstances to the point where he just was blind to God's power. And I was similar. Not totally or anything like that, but I'd, I'd lost that ability and lost that thinking that God still works miracles today. This experience was good for me that I had, that I went through that dry spot because it reminded me that it's not the clay pot that does things, it's the marvellous treasure within, this treasure we have in these clay pots and all the surpassing power and glory belongs to the Lord. You know, he even deliberately chooses, I don't know where everybody's at today, man or woman, boy or girl, wherever. You may be struggling, you may be thinking, you may be thinking, backing off rather than moving on. I'm saying, don't think retire, think refire. He's given you abilities, but he's really looking for your availability. I know that's a cliche, but it's still true. He's searching for you. He deliberately chooses the despised things of the world to confound the scholars, to confound the wise. 
Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm challenging all of us today, myself included, let's never stop thinking about it is his glory and his power and all we have to do is be available. Will it hurt you? Yeah. Will it harm you? Never. I was looking for a safe life. There's no such thing in the kingdom of God. And you're never happy with that. Let's be on the cutting edge for God's glory. Is anything holding you back from doing that? Fear? Health? Problems? I'm offering to pray for you today, but once again, it's not the clay pot that has anything that can help you. But I can share from a clay pot knowing the surpassing glory and sometimes it's good to just share together and start with a repentant heart and say I'm not only a clay pot but I've been a coward as well now I know that probably won't win me any friends to say how about owning up to being a coward but I can say this if we're able to put it on the line and be out there God will meet us in that point of need. Mighty warrior, man or woman, young or old, God wants to use you. He hasn't given up on you yet. It might be a stage of your life that you have to change circumstances, but he wants to use you in a new way to bring about the glorious testimony of his love and grace. Would you bow with me in prayer? Would you stand to your feet, please, if you're able? And could you some water for me? In the case. I don't know what you're expecting today. Are you available for a fresh encounter with God? You may have been doing absolutely everything perfectly, but there's always places in our lives the Lord can say, I want to take you deeper, I want to use you more. Or you may have been discouraged, a bit like Gideon. You may have found yourself saying, where are the miracles like in Jesus' time? Jesus was amazed when he was in Nazareth at the lack of faith and he couldn't do any miracles there. Faith can grow. Faith can grow in you. Faith can grow in your church. 
faith can grow in our community. But walking into a gymnasium one day doesn't turn you into an Arnie Schwarzenegger or whoever you want to be. Faith is built up, not worked up. May the Holy Spirit be ministering here now. If he's putting his hand upon an area where you're prepared to yield and be available to go further and deeper in God, I don't know how you do it here, but somehow or another, I would love to pray with you. If you want to come out right now, you're welcome to. I'd like to pray with you. Either that or if it's a bit, it's a bit confronting in the, the setting we have, just talk to me afterwards here. I'd love to pray with you. Let the power of the Holy Spirit refresh you, revitalise you and learn a lesson from a coward in a clay pot to see God's glory move in your life. God bless you. Thanks, Pastor David. I'll hand over to you. Thanks so much, Daryl. I'm just trying to...